Well, I just want to say this morning, it's great to be back, uh, see a lot of familiar faces. Some kids have grown up tremendously, which is amazing. I'm not getting older, but they are, so I haven't put that all together yet. But anyway, uh, so good to, to be here and to be with you. Um, as we gather around the Lord's table today, I would uh, love to just introduce you again to a, a, a prayer practice that I have been uh, using both uh, personally and, and in, uh, in the congregation for quite some years now. And it's to simply pray the scriptures and take the scriptures as we see them and hear them and, and form our prayers that way. So we're going to be in Psalms 133 this morning. Very simple, um, truly profound uh, uh, portion of Scripture. These, are, these short uh, psalms are the Psalms of Ascent. So this is, if, if you're in this part of the Bible, uh, about uh, 120 or so through uh, 134, um, you're in uh, the, the chorus part or the, 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 the praise worship part of the, uh, of the worship book of the children of God. These are short songs that were sung as they came into view of Jerusalem. Okay? Uh, a number of times a year they would go up to Jerusalem for feasts and they would use these songs as they could see the temple or temple mount or, or any of the other stuff that was, you know, just part of that. So just take a moment. If you got that, you can just lay that on your lap. We'll, we'll take a look at these three verses and, and let the Lord... Uh, I'll, I will be praying, but uh, I, I just hope that inspires some, some prayer in your hearts as well. Let us pray. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful for me. Lord, help us just to adjust ourselves even now for the, the, the balance of last week or the beginning of this week, placing us in the place where you are Lord and we are your servants. Our hearts not too proud, uh, knowing that, that the concerns, the truly great concerns of our hearts are in you. We are comforted by the thought that we cannot remember anything that you have forgotten. It's just not the way it works. You are God and we are your people. And so, first and foremost, forgive us when we've taken over the God spot, when we've taken over the drivership of the car of our life, or in, in, in what other any other means that we, by, by means of our own survival or, or, or whatever we've taken over, Lord, we just release that back to You. And we lift up our concerns. In our hearts, You have, uh, you have said that we should share our concerns, but the outcomes are Yours. And so let us not concern ourselves with how these matters will turn out only that we are your people and you are our God, and that is enough. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a content child with its mother. Like a content child, 
my soul is within me. Maybe, Lord, we're just taking a breath for the first time all week and we're sitting in a quiet, friendly, safe, cool spot with You. And maybe as we take another large inhale and we exhale, we are reminded that we are the child and You are the great parent. You're the one mothering and fathering our souls. And that by pure closeness to You, we might take another inhale and just exhale, maybe even a little sigh of relief, and say, yes, this is good. We are together in this place, here and now. And not only that, but You have brought us to this place and this time for reasons that are, that are yours alone. And so let us be open. Let us be quieted. Let us be still. Let us be receptive to all that you have for us this day and throughout this week. O Israel, O church, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. God, how we struggle to put our hope in the results or the, the, the end as we would have it of all the things that we struggle with. And Your Scriptures say time and time again to put our hope in You. Find our hope in You. You may be waiting and, and there is our hope. You may be sending and, and seeking our obedience and, and there is our hope. Teach us how to be your people in the way in which you are leading us this day. Oh God, where do we need to place a particular emphasis in hope? Where is this something that this downright confuses us, um, concerns us, uh, maybe even upsets us a little bit. Can we put our hope in you? Can we just let go of our fist and, and present an open hand and say, yes, Lord. In you I will find my way. God, for any of the other requests and things that are on our hearts that just may not fall under the umbrella of this uh, beautiful psalm, we ask it now and we trust it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to take our text this morning for uh, the sermon from uh, 1 Corinthians 11.23. And if you'll look that up, uh, we'll come up here. This uh, familiar passage is uh, Paul's rendition. We'll... We'll talk a little more about that as we, as we move along this morning. But it's actually Paul's recollection of, um, of Jesus' night in which he brings communion to the, to the apostles and ultimately to the church. This whole section is a, 
a, a, a fascinating teaching in which we get a look at what was going on inside the church, uh, particularly, and, and keeping this always in mind when you read the New Testament, it's, 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 where, the, it's where we've gone off the road, right? The, the whole New Testament is this address to the church of not so much that, but maybe a little more of this, okay? So it's a corrective. It's a way in which... Um, uh, they can see these things, and we'll just talk about it briefly because I really want to, I really want to bring the focus to ourselves and three words in the passage. But uh, you can't help but uh, understand the context, and we'll, we'll come back to that. But just right there at verse uh, 23, uh, chapter 11, it says, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus in the night." When he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is really powerful, right? Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, or the cup of the Lord, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man or a woman ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. Communion, by definition, is relationship, right? It's it's relating to someone or something in some way in which we get to know them. Two keys um, to communing or relationship is uh, to discover and disclose. In order to get to know someone else, we, we get to discover them and we get to disclose ourselves, open ourselves to them. And so in, in this manner... Jesus' huge uh, invitation is for us to be in communion with Him, discovering, disclosing ourselves to God and finding out from God who God is. Uh, You know, communion is a participatory reenactment of the whole ministry of Jesus Christ, His life, His death, His resurrection, our coming together in relationship with Him and our coming together in relationship with one another. We see this um, at the more obvious level right here, uh, you know, usually once a month, usually in the first Sunday of the month, we gather for what we call communion. Uh, Not so obvious, but profoundly more important, we are in communion with Christ 24-7, 365, which also puts us in communion with one another that way. In fact, with the whole Holy Church of Jesus, okay? So this thing is is, is really uh, 
is really amazing. Now, the problem that, that gets us started, and we didn't look at those verses, but if you want to go back later this afternoon and, and, and read from about verse 17 on, you'll pick this up. But the Corinthian context was that this great gift of invitation to communion was either completely, their response was either completely misunderstood or taken advantage of. Somehow people were gathering for this, what, uh, what in the first century they called the agape meal, and they just thought that this was a free lunch a great potluck and all this stuff, and they were enjoying that. They were, you know, probably talking about who was winning the Olympics and all that. Kind of, they did that back then, but all those things were going on, and, and there was somehow this missed sense of something in their response to God in communion, which gets us down to our real question for the morning. So, this is, what I, this is what I want you to be thinking about this morning. How do we respond to God's communing with us? The Corinthians had got it all wrong, which is great for us, because the corrective, we get the teaching, and now we have it in the Bible, and we can look at it. What is our response to God's invitation to communion. There's three words in the passage. I've underlined them in my Bible, so it's, it's easy for me to get to them. But these, these three words are what we're going to focus on. There are, there are three things asked of us in the passage. The first is that we reflect on what we are to remember. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ uh, no. Therefore, as you come to Jesus, receive what I, where am I at here? Yes, receive from the Lord what I have passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night that he was betrayed, took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance. Now, Paul here is is talking from his remembrance, right? He's recalling that in, in Jesus' personal teachings to him and what he had read in the Gospels himself is this idea of remember me. Not only in the breaking of the bread, but then later on in the passage in the, in the drinking of the cup. Well, the obvious remembrance here is that Jesus, our creator, our redeemer, our friend, our forgiver, our encourager, our helper, our savior, our Lord, the life, death, and resurrection, all those things, that's the obvious. What I'm always interested is, is what, where, where is the profound thing in this? And here it is. Glad you asked. Thank you. The profoundness of the message is that we are called to remember what has been dismembered in our lives. Put back together, communion puts something of us back together. All of us, broken, beat up. Uh, uh, things that have happened in our lives, all those things. 
And, and so what he's saying here is this is not only a time of remembering the great things that God has done. What else is God wanting to do? What healing, forgiving, restoring, what reconciliation needs to take on in your heart? Apparently the Corinthians were uh, fascinated with this idea, but they had a hard time with the sense of God reconciling their lives. So when Paul writes to them again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone, and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We need to come back to that. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God was making His special appeal through us, imploring us to be reconciled. Two important things here. That, the, that our remembering includes our own reconciliation and any role that we can have in the reconciliation of anyone else that we know. The word ambassador is beautiful here. We, we, we kind of pick up the word missionary from this. How are we ambassadors of, uh, of remembering our own reconciliation? Allowing the Holy Church of Jesus to become reconciled one to another. First, we reflect on what we are to remember. The second word that I noticed in the passage uh, it comes in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So if our response is to remember, it is also to be proclaimers. The obvious here is that um, we're, we're, we're pretty good at proclaiming God with our lips, right? That we, we can talk about God, we can talk about the things of God, sometimes with others, sometimes it's more difficult, but we get that. What I see is profoundly uh, powerful in proclaiming is that we proclaim with our lives the transformation of God in us. In fact, it takes a long time for the church to actually understand the idea of proclamation in terms of voice. I mean, that, that was really left to the speakers and the preachers uh, of the early church. But it was never lost on the early church to proclaim the holy gospel of Jesus Christ with our newly transforming lives day by day by day by day. You see, Paul is all about this. He, he, he writes uh, in, in, in 1 Timothy that, and still calls himself, I am the chief of sinners. I would have thought by the time Paul was writing that epistle, he would have said something, what I, this is how I would have said it, well, I used to be the chief of sinners. Paul never lets go of the idea that he was foremost 
persecutor and chief of the church before he was missionary and servant of the church. And he never lets this idea go. That we read from, from, uh, from Paul in, in Galatians, his own testimony. Luke, his disciple, shares his testimony about finding Christ on the road to Emmaus three times. That somehow the fascination in the early church was that these people that came from nowhere were all of a sudden now Christ ambassadors. I think some of the things that are lost on us in our own American Christian culture is that there's an expectation, whether you're a Christian or not, to act a certain way, right? And so because of that, this profound sense of a changed life, this profound sense that there is probably a change set in God's heart of transformation for each person here today, including the pastor that's speaking to you. We're not done yet. We're under construction. And to somehow uh, embrace that, that, oh, my, you mean I'm not there yet? There's still more? Absolutely, says God. This is a, a wonderful opportunity for you to reflect. I, I keep thinking of one of the things I, I, I picked up early on in my ministry, that, that the testimony of every believer should be B.C., A.C., uh, and, and in I see, you know, uh, before Christ, after Christ, and in Christ. What is going on in our lives? How does that work? The, um, the third response reflection is, is found at the, the, the bulk of our passage in, in verse 27 uh, to 29. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Christ. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats or drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord Jesus eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Now, this is where the passage gets a little heavy and, and, uh, and calls us to much-needed reflection. But again, I think there's an obvious and a profound way to see this. You see, obviously we want to examine our flaws and our faults and our shortcomings. We want to know what in us doesn't recognize Christ in the person in the church that I don't like so much or the person in that other church that I don't like so much. That's recognizing the body. Or, or what is it about you know, my own church and what's going on right now that stops us from recognizing the body? What stops us from recognizing? We were, we were talking, you know, boy, now we're gluten-free and we're this and we're that. We, you know, everything's antiseptic and all of that. And it's, it's tasteless, formless, and, you know, okay, we're doing communion today. You know, whatever happened to a big old loaf of bread, some big burly guy up there breaking it, and everyone's got their hands all over it. I don't know. I don't think that's ever going to happen again, right? You know, 
We, we, somehow, we somehow lost something. So in all of that, it's important to know our failures and temptations. But we often can take a grim or morbid personal scolding approach that produces self-condemnation or self-pity and, and really gets us nowhere. So the, the profound way of looking at this is that we examine as well the joys and blessings, our gratefulness. What's God doing right in my church today? In my life today? In the world today? If you're missing that, uh, it takes a little examination. In, in, in this day and age, it probably takes a lot more examination to get to, uh, to, get to what's right and what's pure and what's holy. Uh, Ephesians 4, let your mind, uh, set your mind on these things. You see, our spiritual attitude follows our spiritual attention. And if our heart and our nose and our mind is just following the negative, that's where we'll end up. One of, the, one of the things I see more clearly than ever before as a, as a retired pastor is that um, I, I notice now more than I ever did how Christians can in the churches today can seem to be unworthy and un, incapable of doing the things that they were called to do. And what were we called to do? Simply be in communion with Christ. Once we were there, we can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there's a, there's a pandemic of unworthiness and, and, and incapability in the church today that, well, I can't do, asked to do, I can't do that. Where's the almighty power of Christ? That the, the answer is uh, yes. Uh, if you're asking, I'm obeying. Remember, proclaimers, and, and examining ourselves is the response to God. So, uh, just by way of application, how do we keep that response as we remember, proclaim, and examine? What is the focus? What's going to keep us there? And I'm going to ask the ushers right now to pass out. Uh, I, I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to say uh, I, it, right, right now is a, a great opportunity to just kind of take something home. So I've got Mark, you got someone? Yes, yeah, if you guys could just make sure that those get spread out. I see another usher back there. She has some of those. She'll help pass them out from that end. Because here's the deal. If you look at what we've just been talking about, this whole idea of proclaiming, remember, proclaiming, and examine, you will find out that all of these things are kind of a meditation of the heart, are they not? There's something that you engage inside yourself first before it gets outside of you. So actually, remembering, proclaiming, and examining our lives are all prayer practices of, of the Holy Church of Jesus. They're things that we have always done or should have done. So, what you have in front of you, almost, you guys in the back seats, I'm stalling here, I'm working on it. 
Uh, what you have is what I call communion prayer prompts. And, and these are prayerful statements that you can just kind of grab a hold of and work through. That's why I wanted you to have this as you want to take this with you. So by, by way of remembrance, simply, Lord, do I take time to meditate on all you have done for me? Am I allowing you to remember any brokenness in me? Judgments, assumptions, negative thoughts, resentments, broken relationships. And then just this thought to meditate on. Only beloved people can pass on belovedness. Hurt people hurt people. This is why it's so important to, to remember what has been dismembered in our lives. On the line of proclamation, Lord, is your transformational work in me a proclamation of good news to people outside of the church? People in my life outside of the church. You know, think about that. Pray about that. This, this is Bible-sized, so it sticks right in there. It should fall out every time you want to forget it, and it'll be right there in your lap. Lead me to see that I can only proclaim your transformation to the degree I've allowed you to transform me. That's a collective ouch. Okay, We can't bring people to where we think they need to be. We can share about our transformation. That's why it's a, a proclamation. But we're only going to go as far or invite as many people in as our lives are inviting and we have been transformed, right? And then, and then examine. Lord, am I taking stock of my life in You, recognizing my shortcomings in balance with my blessings? Do I recognize others and myself together in the body of Christ? Jesus wants us to have Jesus' eyes in looking at others. Even at people who are outside of the body of Christ, there is a Jesus eye for that. They are uh, pre-believers, right? Soon to somehow have their own epiphany. Hey, just a couple fun things here. Rose and thorn. What if you spent a couple of times a week closing your day with, what has been the rose in my life today and what has been the thorn in my life? Hmm. Just a, a quick uh, way of, of examining our, your life in, in the larger context of things. And it kind of keeps it really balanced. Uh, you know, roses and thorns on, on the same plant, right? How about that particular difficult person in your life? So you just place their name in the blank there. Perfect in Christ Jesus. That's how Jesus sees them. Perfectly moving at the point of time in which God is just ready to get a hold of their lives if we will let go of their life. Right? God does not deprive us of His love. We deprive Him of our cooperation. Stepping aside, stepping out, uh, 
puts us there. I, 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 a couple notes. These aren't on your, on your form, but uh, God is not in the business of raising up responsible, successful adults. God is not doing that. God longs to love children who simply need God, trust God, and live in daily dependence upon the Heavenly Father. We are so responsible, right? We, 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 are, we are so, let's get the, the, the required result. And God says, I'm looking for all the people that bruised and broken, simply children, I, my, my, uh, my picture here is the first time in the early 60s I went to Disneyland and like oh, holding my dad. I was, I was little. Right? If I let go of my dad's hand, I'd still be lost in Disneyland someplace today, right? But, you know, I didn't have to worry about whether there was going to be breakfast, lunch, dinner, whether we had to stand in a line, whether we had tickets. Do you ever get tired of all this adult uh, uh, stuff that we do? Do you ever just long to be a child? By way of closing this morning, I just want to share that the uh, number one enemy facing the church today is not, uh, it's not government, it's not culture, it's not politics, it's not even the evil meanies out there that want to do whatever they want to do. It's our complacency. It's a way in which we often stand in our own way. We'll blame other things. But we're coming to the communion table here and I want us to get really, really honest. Isn't most of that stuff our problem placed on them? That God, right here, right now, has taken care of everything. He knows what kind of world we need to live in. And He wants to send us out understanding that God is God. Intimacy with Christ is about prayer and humility and gratefulness. It's not about our effort, effectiveness. It's not about do more, try harder. Richard Rohr has said, our need and desire must exceed our fear and resistance before we surrender to God's remedy. Can I read that again? Just check this out. Our need and our desire must exceed our fear and resistance before we will even surrender to God's remedy. We're such responsible adults. You see, at the end of ourselves is the beginning of God and our true selves. Difficulty is not meant to harm us, but to transform us. God wants to shine out of our imperfections. He wants to see that. This is God's plan for drawing a straight line with a crooked stick in our world today.